So hi everyone again, um, welcome. And we're doing the Eightfold Path and tonight we are doing Right Effort, which is the first factor in the um, last section of the Eightfold Path, which is um, Samadhi or concentration or collectedness. And Right Effort, um, is really important and, and it's it's uh, kind of a factor that supports so many of the other factors um, you know none of these work on their own and they're supported of course by mindfulness but also um, mostly by what right effort and right effort speaks um, to the difficulty of this practice because it's the fact that it takes effort to do it is acknowledged um, with its own factor, with its own piece of the Eightfold Path. So this is not that this is an easy practice. It's not easy to disentangle ourselves from these stories and to stay present. You all know that just from sitting here meditating for a half an hour. Um, it's it can be a challenge. One of my favorite things is always to say, when you brush your teeth, stay present brushing your teeth. And I can't even do that most of the time. Not, I don't even think about it most of the time. But when I do, it's like, wow, it's really hard because I want to do all these other things in my head. So this is a challenge. This is a real well, they're all really core, but this is, a, again, a really, really important thing. And I talk about right effort a lot. I've talked, I've taught this on, in a standalone many times because it is so important and it is such an important part of our mindfulness practice. It's, you know, recognize when you're somewhere else and let go and come back and be with what's here, finding that balance. So we'll really get into this. Um, First, let me just uh, talk about what the four, the four, right effort is for efforts. And the first one is to prevent unwholesome. The word often translated in, um, in poly, from Pali is unwholesome, but um, negative states or I like Rick, Rick Hansen talks about them being not beneficial. Um, recognize uh, to prevent those unwholesome not beneficial states from arising the second one is to let go of them when they have arisen when they are there when you realize you're stuck in some story let it go um, and then the third is to cultivate the wholesome or the beneficial states that are if they're not there yet and then the fourth one is to maintain those be in a place of 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 beneficial um, thought, beneficial um, practice, beneficial action, just kind of really allow the life to be um, in this place of wisdom. And this journey from unwholesome to wholesome is the, also the journey from suffering to freedom. The, all the Buddhist teachings point to this suffering and the end of suffering. And effort is really that hands-on time we're addressing, oh, this is suffering, this is what's happening. And so um, what, what we're doing is to really learn to diminish in this paying attention to what causes suffering, we're learning to diminish what leads to suffering. And um, 
the path, the path of the Eightfold Path, which leads to liberation, is kind of guided by right view, but it's activated by effort. Because effort is like, it's, it almost feels like an action. It almost feels like, oh, we are doing something. And if you're in meditation, you recognize that. And meditation is where we practice right effort. But we, but we practice it as in practicing, like you practice anything, practice a musical instrument, practice a sport, practice a language. You practice this cultivation of beneficial states of mind and letting go of those that are leading to suffering. And, but we practice it all the time. Hopefully we have that continuity of mindfulness where we're aware throughout the day. It's like, oh, I'm caught up in this place that doesn't serve me very well. This old story. So we're retraining the mind to move in different pathways. And, you know, we talk about this all the time too, but it, it's, 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 it's what's real. It's, it's how we move through the world. We are, um, We are just a whole bunch of causes and conditions. Um, we have all these patterns of these unconscious patterns that are triggered and take us to these painful places. We have internal patterns, these ways we, we think um, that we've come up with based on our, um, our um, upbringing or how we see the world or what's going on and then we have the familial and I talk about this throughout this eightfold path because this is what drives us there's the all the drivers that come into us all these influences that impact us all the experiences we've had that um that create our worldview and how we move through the world the familial the societal the messages we receive and I like the way um um, Rick Hansen talks about it. Rick Hansen wrote Buddha's Brain, and he's a he's a Dharma teacher, but is also a neuro neuro um, neuro. He's an evolutionary neuropsychologist, so he's a brain guy. Um, but he talks about implicit memories, which are the causes and conditions, which are our our deeply ingrained pattern, and these implicit memories and biases are unconscious, but they establish our interior landscape and kind of um, color our worldview. They color how we move through the world, whether we're aware of it or not, because we see the world based on how we, um, what we've experienced. But we often don't have that distinction. We often don't see that. So we have these implicit unconscious biases. And... Um, ideas of shoulds and coulds and woulds and so that's what drives us and we in this practice of right effort begin to identify them using right view which tells us um, which talks about um, delusion and being um, so far away from reality and using right intention which talks about cutting through of um, greed or clinging and aversion, anger. So using these first two factors of the path to really recognize what it's like, what's greed, what's craving, what, what am I attached to, what's my attachment, where, where am I holding on, where am I pushing away, beginning to recognize these. And effort... Um, Effort is this next step in not just identifying them, 
but letting go, releasing them and, and coming back. And, and because some of these are so deeply entrenched, these stories we have about ourselves, this self-view, often self-doubt, whatever, and these, some of them are so core. We don't even know when they were embedded. But, but they, they, they really impact how we move through the world. And we have these scenarios in our mind about should, should, you all should be better farther along than you are now. I know we all have that sense. Often, most of us have that sense that, you know what, I'm this age and I really thought I would have been further along in my life than I am. That's just stories we tell ourselves. And we all have those stories. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. Not enough. Um, inadequate that you know those are just some of the stories that I in, have internalized over my life and that I should be this and I should be that and I see that over there and that's pleasant or that I like that so that I have to aspire to be that even though it's like nothing I want to be I think that's what I should be so I try and you know I latch on to that and get caught in this idea of become those are all the kernels of suffering this, this, this entanglement in these ideas, this being totally enmeshed in these causes and conditions, these, these ideas that really don't serve us, these biases, that implicit, unconscious drivers. And I'm sure you can all relate to this because you've, you've been doing this for a minute and you've probably seen some of these in your lives. And so... What we want to do in this practice is take ourselves, recognize those, let go, and kind of see what we can do to reshape that and recognize it's like, oh, that's clinging. Oh, that is this desire. Oh, if I get this, then people will like me. That's the cling. That's the story I have. And I get that. And I go, well, that's not actually it. Maybe that. If I get that, then people will like me. And I work towards that and I work towards that. Even though I don't like it, even though I don't even want it, I think it's what I'm supposed to do. And so there's all these layers too. But, you know, um, I'm sure you can find some of your own or recognize some of your own habits of thinking that you get caught up in. So this first, this first factor or this first, um, um, first one of the efforts is to let go or prevent these states from arising. Guarding those sense doors is, is really a, a, a key thing we want to do. We have to um, recognize when we're caught up in the stories or recognize what the stories are um, and then really pay attention to when they start moving in. That's what I say, guard the sense doors. And the senses in Buddhism are the five senses, you know, smell, taste, touch, um, uh, physical sensation, that's touch, sight, sound, and thought. I hope I caught all of them, but you know what I mean, and thought. Um, thought is in meditation. So a thought can go by and we can latch onto it and create the story around it. And so to recognize that, so pay attention. That's what I mean when I say guard the sense doors, bringing that mindfulness, bringing that attention 
having this, you know, in, in this, in the, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha invites us to be ardent in our practice. That's that sense of really being with, paying attention. Um, so what we want to do is find our stories, begin to recognize your stories. What are the things you get caught up in all the time that cause that are really uncomfortable? They're, they're different for everyone. They're different for everyone. Um, and they often, um, they often in, in Buddhist teaching, we often identify them as the hindrances. And the hindrances are, are craving. We want, we want pleasant all the time. Whatever pleasant is, you know. Or we, we don't want something, so we're caught in aversion, pushing things away. Oh, my God, if that happens, then I, it will be the, the end of the world. Recognizing what we have staked out to be true in that situation, or we think is true. Because we were taught at a young age that you have to do this, and if you don't, you know, whatever the 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 the, the the story is from our family, you know, get married, have kids or get a job or go to school or whatever the story is that we were told that may not match our own reality, but it's still internalized. And we judge our experience based on this old habitual way of thinking. You know, you should be this. And it's like, ugh. I'm not that. I don't want to be that, but I should be that. And so we still cling to that idea, even though it's nowhere near the reality that our life is. And so we suffer. And so when we pay attention, we recognize when those stories are coming in and we go, Bleep. no, we don't let them move in. Um, for me, I was noticing um, I was doing it today and I haven't done it in a while. I was driving somewhere. I was just running an errand and I was having a conversation with someone who was not in the car with me because I was by myself and I wanted them to know something. And I usually I realized a few years ago that when I would spend time in conversation with people, it's because I want them to see my point of view. I'm trying to convince them. Or I want to tell them something that I did well so that they'll think highly of me. It's this, it's this craving. And I, and I just, and I, and I have the conversation and I say the same thing over and over and over again. Only today I recognized that I was doing it and I went, what? and was able to let it go. But to pay attention when that comes up. And to let it go. So that's the for me that that unwholesome, not very beneficial thing that I get caught up in is uh, driven by a craving, a craving to be seen in a certain way or thought of in a certain way or, 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 or a desire for someone to to do what I want them to do or in that realm. So it's that craving. So we really have to begin to. Um, dissemble our stories. Uh, it may not dissipate, but
but we let it go. It may come back and then we let it go again. And so the rest of the hindrances I mentioned, a craving and aversion, restlessness, you know, this, this agitation, restlessness and worry. Anybody ever get caught up in worry? Yeah. Watch when it shows up and then be willing to let it go. And then um, dullness, which is another, is the uh, kind of the, the counterpoint to restlessness, but this, this really this dullness that settles over us, which is kind of a, a, a movement into delusion or ignorance. It's like, oh, I'm good. I, I'm just going to, you know, kind of hang out over here. And then doubt, doubt, which is the, um, ah, this stuff doesn't work. Why bother? Why even bother? You know, the other morning in more in the morning meditation group, um, I did. I usually is. You're probably familiar. A lot of times I'll say, where where are you right now? And this one person shared after the meditation that he when I said that he was in the kitchen, he had gotten up during meditation and walked into another room and was totally unaware of it. And it's like, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary what we do. And that's, and it's, it's really obvious when you get up from meditation and walk into another room. But we do that all the time and we're not aware. So to really begin to recognize what's, what the stories are, what happens, where, where, we, where our tendencies are, um, and to these um, unconscious patterns that are triggered, you know, uh, by what we hear, what we see, what we smell, what we taste, what we feel, emotions that are present, and be willing to put the brakes on when we see them showing up. Or the second, the second piece of the um, of the right effort is to let go of them when we find we're caught up in them, to see the behavior and release it. You know, if we're caught up in desire, they talk about if we're caught up in the hindrances, if we're caught up in desire, recognize the truth of impermanence. This thing is not going to make us happy for the rest of our lives. How do we let go of that? Um, or if we're caught up in aversion, the invitation is to bring some loving kindness to the practice, to some kindness, some, some compassion, some softening. Um, if we're caught up in, um, dullness or sleepiness, you know, to, to move, to do something energetic, to, if we're caught up in doubt, to investigate that doubt, or if we're caught up in worry, to bring some kindness and compassion to ourselves. So there are some antidotes to help us if we're really struggling with these um, um, unwholesome states of mind. Um, yeah, we have to release again and again and again, again and again and again. Um, I was saying the other day that, you know, if we, if we get distracted a thousand times, we let go and come back a thousand and one. There's no law saying that you have to do this in five tries and that or otherwise, you know, go somewhere else. It's really this recognition that, oh, man, this takes a while. And um, 
it's taken me, I'm still doing this stuff. I'm still doing it. I still get attached to things. I mean, even during, I have to tell you the truth. I have to, during meditation, well, the Yankee, Yankee, you know, I'm a baseball fan and the Yankees were playing and right before class, the score was five to three. The Yankees were winning and it was the eighth inning, but it could have gone either way. And so during meditation, I'm like, I can look at my phone. And I've realized, oh, look at that attachment. Look at that craving. that I And I didn't do it. I'm like, I can let go. It's like, what will change in my life if I pick up that phone and look at the score? What will change? Except it'll be the end of craving for the moment. And then something else will take its place. It's actually the craving that ends that is, brings the satisfaction, not the thing itself that we are craving. So really to begin to watch that and be willing to let go. Um, the, third, the third one is to recognize the wholesome states or the beneficial states and to, to bring those, learn how to cultivate those. And those... Um, it's really helpful to think of these two um, unwholesome and wholesome or beneficial and not beneficial as the hindrances, the uh, not beneficial as the hindrances when we're caught in graving and creed and uh, anger and all those things. And then the beneficial as the other side of that, the, the factors of awakening. What's it like when the hindrances are not present? Because it's the hindrances that get in the way of our freedom. The hindrances are what stop us from being fully present and being with. So what's it like to experience um, mindfulness or experience ease, joy, tranquility? You know, the f seven factors are, are mindfulness, bringing awareness, investigation, what's going on? Um, bringing some energy to it of staying present. And then when you are staying fully present and mindful, the hindrances are not there, there's some joy that arises. And then from that joy, there's tranquility. And then from that tranquility, there's a collectedness of mind. And then there's equanimity, this ability to just be without preference for pleasant or unpleasant. So what does that feel like? So cultivating that. And it's, and it's when you're willing to let go and then investigate what it's like when you've let go. And for me, when I, was, when I recognized that I was caught in the craving to find out the score and I let it go, it's like, oh, there was that ease because that constriction from the desire, from the craving was gone. And it's really important the, the, to experience the physical part of this too. What does it feel like when you're caught in craving? What does it feel like when those um, really difficult emotions are present or you're caught in that old painful storyline? You know, when you're, you're caught in the storyline of inadequacy or being unlovable, what does that feel like? Where is it in your body? Because these are the stories that show up. These are the old habits of mind. 
you know the the and you all have your own where where is that it's the jaw the 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 arms i had somebody um a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago talking about their shoulders just get so tight you know they carry everything up here they're like rocks what recognizing that so when you may not even be consciously aware of the story but you begin to recognize what the body is doing oh my shoulders are up around my ears or my fists are clenched or my jaw is tight or my belly is 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 um, constricted begin to recognize that which enables you to let go and then recognize what it feels like when it's not constricted when there's ease there I did a Dharma talk many years ago when it was how to recognize when you're not suffering what does it feel like when there's spaciousness when you can take a breath when there's this calm And oftentimes we're like, oh, this is calm. And sometimes I've, um, when I've been on retreat, there have been, I remember coming to this place of ease and some, just some tranquility and, and, and um, not being bowled over by anything. And I would bring to mind a, a particular thought or memory that had been painful, that would trigger and kind of bring it and what I like to say I poke at it and just not have a not have that response not have that you know tightness or constriction because there was this really settled um, um, that place of settledness of collectedness of mind that I was able to withstand not that it was an onslaught but it was like oh right in this moment I can I can recognize that story, have that memory, and still be at ease. So you're shifting how you work with your old patterns, and you're shifting how you hold them. And for me, my experience has been that over the years, what used to be really painful isn't painful anymore. And I can hold that. There's still places that are painful. I still get triggered. Um, I still have attachments or aversions, but I can recognize them much more quickly most of the time, most of the time. And I can let go more <laughs> again and again and again quickly. <laughs> but, you know, they come back and then they let go and they come back and then they sometimes just go away. But really being willing to be with the pleasant when it's there. So that's that's cultivating the wholesome, beneficial qualities, maintain that awareness and balance. You know, and when they talk about white effort, it's like how much effort? It's just enough. You don't have to get into this, you know, this striving, this cultural crap that they tell us to achieve and do and accumulate and everything and be the best those the, that that not very healthy uh, messages that we receive all the time from this culture and you must eh. it's like no there's a balance there's this just enough not too much you don't have to get to the you know be the best 
It's like, what works? And get to know yourselves, because some of us are people that are constantly striving and do more and more and more, and others of us are the kind that'll kind of, eh, I think that's enough when you really can do a little bit. So know when you need to push a little bit more, know when you need to ease off. There's a very famous sutta um, that talks about um, this monk that, that did so much walking meditation, his feet were bleeding, and it was really hard for him to continue doing it. And he said, oh, maybe I'm not fit for this. Maybe I need to just, you know, you know, go back and, you know, disrobe and go be a, a lay person again. And the Buddha said, well, you know, you used to play a musical instrument. And he said, yeah, and, he, and a stringed instrument. And the Buddha said, well, could you could you tune it? Could you tune the strings too tightly? And they said, yeah. And he says, could you tune them, you know, too loosely? And the guy said, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can do this too much or too little. You want to find that middle way, that balance that allows you to be just right. And I think the more you practice, the more you recognize. And if you're really honest with yourself, you'll know when you can give a little bit more or take a little or drop a little bit. And to maintain this, um, it's not just the seven factors of awakening, but also these other teachings like the paramis, which are beautiful, these ten qualities of the heart, which are patience, um, loving kindness. I talked about um, wisdom, um, uh, F energy, you know, determination. So there's there's a lot of qualities. Also, the Brahma Viharas, the heart practices are a beautiful place to cultivate um, beneficial, being with metta, loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy when someone else has something good going on to really be happy for them. And then equanimity, which is this, this, um, this balance, this, this ease, appropriate response to whatever happens, this, this clarity, this wisdom and compassion, which is equanimity. So to really make the effort to hang out with the pleasant. It's not cheating. We used to think it was cheating. It's not cheating because it's, isn't this suffering? No, it's not. So finding that place. And then um, Gregory Kramer in his book, A Whole, a Whole Life Path, um, talks about um, the necessity of, of, of um, spiritual friends on this path that we and I had a teacher years ago I was working with Arena Weissman and she said we can't do this alone it's like you know something but you have to have somebody remind you of it before you do it because you go oh yeah I knew that but I, I needed that extra um, nudge from somebody to remind me to do it so to have especially with effort because we need some perspective sometimes. We need somebody to, to, to point us in the right direction sometimes or say, oh, maybe it's too much. Maybe you can go a little bit further. So to recognize that we're doing this in community with others, it's so important um, that we're not doing this by ourselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, wise effort is so incredibly important, to that, that willingness to... Uh, let go of what doesn't serve, even though, you know, and this is another point that I'll make, um, that oftentimes we're afraid. Who will I be if I'm not an angry person? 
who will I be if I let go of this, this idea of myself? I have this idea. This is who I think I am. This is, I, it may be painful, but you know, I know it. I'm, it's familiar. And it's really hard to let go of the familiar, even if it hurts. And so the willingness to let go because we trust that there is the end of suffering. And this, I say this again and again and again. I find the Eightfold Path as that foundation to land in, to support you as you move into this different awareness. You know, the sila, the, the wise speech and, and, and wise action and wise livelihood are a way to find this, um, this really, really beautiful, wise, compassionate person that's there when we get rid of all the crap that we've accumulated over our lives. You know, it supports us in this in this uh, way to live in harmony with others, not causing harm. There's a there's a lot of teachings around this. Right effort is one of the you know just as right livelihood had really a little bit of stuff in the suttas. Right effort has a whole bunch of stuff uh, about it in the, in the suttas. So there's a lot of lot of uh, ways to work through this. So um, really important. Um, only with letting go of these unwholesome, unbeneficial qualities and habits do you get to liberation. This is the work of transformation. This is the gist of transformation. So I think I will be quiet now. So thank you, my friends, um, for uh, listening. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.